you know there is something about south africa their culture their hospitality everything everyone knows the contribution of nelson mandela to south africa but what people don't know is that he was the biggest sports lover from rugby to cricket he once said that sports has a power to change the world it has a power to unite people in a way that little else does and it's a fact that sports always works as a bridge builder so i thought why not just expand the horizon and talk to those people amazing people who are living every moment and observing every sporting activity of this beautiful rainbow nation so i was fortunate to host ethan koshi sotsi sorry but if i mispronounce the name but a shout out to you and your work first Ethan is a Vodacom Sports Journalist of the Year 2021 awardee who has done a lot of fascinating work in sports journalism. So Ethan and I had a fascinating conversation covering a lot of things from cricket to rugby, from rugby sports stars to cricket sports stars and why athletes stretch their careers. Well, enough to say, we discussed a lot. So stick with this episode and I promise you, this one-hour conversation will help you to understand the sporting culture of this rainbow nation. So let's start then. just going through your profile i just got yeah. to know that one thing actually you know made me curious and that is you won a uh, i think vodacom award that yeah. for the athletes uh, who are from the eastern cape and having some sort of an issues as compared to the struggles and everything which they did uh no man i think uh, the, the the article was just about how there were sort of um facilities that were not maintained um you'll find that in a, in a municipality uh would put up a facility saying that this is for the community but then uh you would f- often see that the municipality doesn't even pay attention to maintaining it uh even going about you know putting a security to make sure that there's no form of vandalism so suddenly you get there um the grass is not cut um people are using it as a as a sport for the weekend you know you suddenly find yeah. find um bottles of alcohol and this is supposed to be a recreational center you know and then when you find that the facility is not even uh, um in a, in a state whereby it enables up and coming our sportsmen to sort of be themselves and to get those facilities to train you know so that is the gist of the story and I sort of painted in how a picture of how those who are in the remote areas of South Africa have to struggle you know because they don't have the good facilities to sort of give them that um kickstart to their careers you know Uh, when we see south africa and one three things which is actually really famous and that is cricket rugby and soccer yeah and when it comes to rugby and all the sports which uh, you guys play they have a lot of role uh, from school as well like you mentioned that there are a lot of people who actually uh, don't have a bread to eat so how they can think about something else which means yeah. they have some sort of an impact is important when it comes to sports so uh, after you just wrote that article what sort of impact you saw or anything which you you know we saw that a development happened after that any development um, no 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 development as such um, obviously when you highlight these sort of issues you know the the municipality will go about um putting those defensive walls you know but then um highlighting them does bring um a sort of the government into control accountable you know and because there's a lot of um mismanagement of funds and a lot of um stadiums sporting facilities in south africa that are not maintained and so now even though we are able to survive you know um and get by as a sporting nation but then you do feel as if you know more could be done you know by making sure that the 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 resources that we have and if government does allocate funds into maybe you know just establishing a stadium you know now what's next after that and also again at the same time holding citizens accountable you know because these facilities they are for them you know for for the community for the children even if the children don't go on to be professional sports people but then playing sports each and every day you know does keep them in a straight and narrow path because sports is more than money you know as a child it does develop you it does give you values um in terms of you know you are able to find certain um human characteristics you know um about being within that sporting environment you know so um so that's all about um, that's all about that in terms of the sporting yeah uh, so we are talking about values we are talking about sports journalism and everything so before yeah. we jump into the main references questions i just want to know how your values came how you ingrained in sports i just want to know from you first 
Yeah, I mean, uh, how I got to sports generally just how it started off as a young kid. Again, um, you mentioned that um, South Africa is a mad um, country that loves football, um, rugby and cricket, you know, the big three sports. And so obviously as a kid, we're always outside playing all of those sports. Uh, but then again, obviously, as I think uh, when I was uh, in primary school, um, yeah. in the formative years, you know, I sort of, I, could, I knew each and every starting lineup, whether it was the Proteas, the Springboks, Wafana Wafana, um, the Premier League, local here, the South African Football League, you know, I knew all the players. And, you know, I was like, you know, I, I think I have a lot of sport knowledge. And I think one day I would make a good sports journalist, you know, and I think that's when the seed of wanting to move towards sports journalism. Obviously, as you grow, you sort of um, get lost in between when, what you want and um, just discovering yourself as a teenager. But then uh, post uh, high school, um, just after reevaluating what I want, and I just uh, took the decision to say, Lord, let me push towards uh, sports journalism again, that childhood dream that I had. And it's been a quite a fulfilling um, journey um, since 2016 when I started off in journalism school at Dublin College here in South Africa. And um, I've always, you know, been dedicated towards this, realizing this dream. Uh, lucky enough to say that I am living in a, my childhood dream, you know, and um, it's been it's been a blessing, you know, it's been a blessing in that regard. And um, yeah, I man, you know, again, it's a dream for me. And um, yeah. No, I'm just going through your profile just before coming here and saw a lot of things you mentioned specifically and that summary section, like how from 2019, you're actually living yeah. a dream of, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. the college thing happened. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. You know what? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, I always love yeah. storytelling, right? For me, yeah. more than journalism, well, what is journalism, sport journalism is? The sport journalism actually getting a good storytelling that how for an uh, under-15 player, came yeah. up and become a stronger player in the country, right? That yeah. is storytelling. Yeah. That is I mean, important, I think. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the craft, you know, it's part of the craft. Yeah. And um, listen, once you go about mastering it, you know, with, uh, with the age and especially storytelling, you know, and I mean, you go about, you do want to go about doing stories whereby you're sort of informing people, you know, um, you know, it's just part of the box, you know, and um, again, you know, the most important thing is that human story element. I think that's one of yeah. the best stories that we can come up with. And again, you know, um, it's all about knowing what's the pressing issue, um, you know, and, 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 and just, you know, capturing that moment, you know, because for instance, you look at how the 2023 Rugby World Cup, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it was such a special moment. And, you know, there were multiple stories that were told, especially from our publication side, um, you know, looking at the human interest stories, looking at how these guys came about and just capturing how they are playing on the field, but also, again, you know, outside of who they are. And so, again, it's, it's, it's one of those arts, um, those um it's, it's, it's a special beat to do, you know, especially in journalism. Obviously, journalism um, is, is, is all the same on board. Um, you know, if you are able to do sports journalism, you should be able to do politics and all the other beats. But um, the sports one, you know, is one that uh, is special um, because, again, you know, you are within understanding those high performance. Um, you're dealing with these guys who are in a results-based um, environment and you can see them when the results are not going their way, just the demeanor changes, you know, and when they are winning, you know, suddenly they light up, you know, how they deal with the pressure, you know, and us just asking them, you know, sort of expectations and all those kind of things so it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful beat um and now again you know i'm in south africa right now it's sort of um entering a new era or a new phase um uh, and whereby you know uh, hopefully you know it does um remain a may, uh, part of the mainstream um, newsrooms and always has that stronghold you know within south african um, journalism in general you know, you mentioned about politics, like uh, you have to be well-grained with every sort of things. If you're doing sports, then also do sport, politics. One quote actually got into my mind that said that what sports if there's no politics? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fact, Definitely. but it's a fact. It's a fact. No, it's a fact. Um, politics um, is quite heavy in sports, right? especially yeah. here in South Africa, you know, um, dating back um, since readmission to um, 
you know, the international sporting bodies and whereby we had to right now go about integrating um, black people, you know, with the two, 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 two words and inclusivity in sports. And that's when you could sort of see that, you know, the people who used um, the sporting teams, such as the Springboks and the Proteas, as symbols of apartheid, you know what I'm saying? They were sort of holding back, you know, they didn't want, you know, to, to, to break down. And that's when you got to see politics, you know, because these are our teams now, you know, we're living in a country that's unified, you know, it's no longer a white people's sport or a white people's team. So that's where you got, I think, uh, in, within South Africa, you got to see the, 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 the height, you know, of politics within sports. You know, because it had it, 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 it was quite intense, you know, at that time. And even now, um, politics does um, have a huge influence. Um, obviously, we do not want politicians or government is not involved. But within the sporting structures, within the sporting federations, you know, there are still politicians there, you know, and, you know, how they go about their business, you know, you do see it from the outside. And it's, 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 it's part of sports. You know, they are quite interlinked. And I mean, if you can have... Um, influence of uh, of a sporting organization. You know, you have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. That's how much influence you have as a sporting body or, you know, a, a sporting politician, president or chairman of a club or anything yeah. of that nature. Yeah. It's both beautiful. I remember there's a saying that said that sports is no one's monopoly. It's for everyone. Yeah. So everyone. Yeah. So everyone. So everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just start with the first question from you. Just want to know that, okay, there's two different schools I always see in India also. We have a private schools and the government schools, right? And mm -hmm. when we have a private school, then also you have a chance that you will get a lot of facilities as far as sports were concerned. And yeah. you will see a lot of players coming from the private schools. Still, yeah. I, I, what I want from any, any, as a sports journalist, I also want people who should come from the uh, government school as well. Thereafter, that government started other things. Uh, like, look, in India also, currently, if you really want to make something big in this sports, you have to go to stadium and practice. Mm. Because, unfortunately, schools, sports, is somehow just uh, limited to the annual functions. And mm. I'm talking about government schools, right? Yeah. In, I, yeah, I want to know from South African perspective that how South African government schools work, contribute towards the success of sports for kids. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, there's a government schools, um, those who fall under the pen of government schools, some of them, they have those facilities. Um, obviously, there's also private schools. Um, but whereby now, um, the, the contribution of, um, obviously, you, you're looking at South Africa, right, the society of it, the majority of people who go to schools whereby, um, you know, you find you go to a township, you know, the school doesn't even have a, play, a, a soccer field. You know what I'm saying? So now you, you struggle there to introduce certain sports like cricket and rugby. Um, but then you go about, there are other schools, you know, um, that are able to, 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 to maintain and produce players. Uh, schools, school sports in South Africa is huge. You know, the market of school sports is huge. It's very much... Both government and private as well? Both government it's, and it's, private? It's a, uh, mainly you're looking at them, those are private uh, schools. Um, the private schools, uh, private schools, more government schools um, that are, again, within those Model C brackets, you know, so that's where by now you find there's a lot of investment from the schools in terms of the recruitment of um, the, 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 the coaching structures. You know, some schools have those um, director of, or director of um, sports who's in control or oversees the whole sporting program. And, and there are also those coaches you know who look after the cricket the rugby's and uh, and the hockey's and uh, and all these multiple sportings uh codes and again you know these schools they pride themselves in terms of how they're able to develop um and produce players who will go and play at the provincial levels and stuff like that some even scouting uh, others to go to be professionals, you know, you know what I'm saying? And again, you know, each and every school from this, uh, the, the, there are certain schools, you know, that they are able to produce um, uh, cricket players and they're able to produce uh, football players, they're able to produce rugby players. And then it's all interlinked, man, you know, and again, these days, school sports in South Africa, again, as I said, it's something that is quite uh, commercially viable and um, it's going to be quite uh, those, those standards of professionalism 
um, in terms of how the boys are eating, um, how the boys are eating, and, uh, and 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 what's expected of them to perform on the field, um, because again, many of them there are others who are fortunate enough to get opportunities to go to these schools to for to to study, you know, because of their sporting talents. Um, others are able to hit the ground running. Uh, whilst others are able to struggle to adjust, you know, because it's a culture shock. You know, it's a culture shock. They speak in different languages and uh, we have to get used to that. Suddenly now you're falling behind your academics, but then the academics is still quite the key central part of it, you know, because um, it does give you a platform to go to university and again, you know, to continue playing when you get to those levels, yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's so beautiful, right? Uh, everything started from the uh, very early age, right? It could be sports, it could be you know, any dream that you are dreaming to be. Yeah. So sports, is, uh, yeah, sports is nothing exceptional in this case. So, let's, let's jump into the main perspective. For me, I, I would love to know how domestic structure of mm. first rugby, the spring books, because they are still the current yeah. champion, the world champions, right? Yeah. I mean, rugby is quite... Uh a well-organized um, sports in South Africa again. So it's talking from the school sports right up to the professional ranks, right? And so just to understand the context, you know, it all starts from the schools because the schools, they are the feeders, you know, they are the ones who ensure that the pipeline is good. So you find that there will be certain tournaments um, like the Craven Week, um, the Grand Como Week. Uh, these tournaments are quite key in terms of all these uh, provincial teams, you know, bringing their best players under from under 13 um, right up to the under 18s and stuff like that. So these are, this is whereby SA, SA Rugby is able to keep tabs you know, within these, uh, within their, within what's within the country, the talent that's in the country. Obviously, now you also have the SE schools, the SE under twenties, and they are also key within again. You know, just maintaining that that pipeline. You know, they they, they just having that database of um, the system, and also these are players who also come from the unions. You know, so you have um, multiple unions in South Africa, and they are also again, you know, just capturing this union? talent. What is union? What is union? Um, in this? Union, you could say it will be um, clubs, for instance, um, clubs, associations. Yeah, yeah, associations and clubs. Yes, so those are the guys. Now they have you know these databases, and again now another key to South African rugby is varsity rugby. So post school, these kids now they are able to go and play um, for the universities uh, with the, at, at, at a varsity cup, university cup, and the varsity shield. So these two tournaments now again, you know, they're able to players are able to play at a very high level, and if they like it, you know, they do now go on to get professional contracts, you know, within the main um, five franchises, um, the uh, franchises, the five unions. Um, you have the Bulls, the Sharks, um, the Stormers, um, and the Lions and the Cheetahs, you know, uh, and they are the sort of um, unions that. Uh, quite uh, financially stable and they're able to uh, have good structures in terms of from the under 20s and going right to the professional ranks. And so these guys are quite key yeah. in terms of now making sure that SA Rugby has good um, has good uh, base of players to select from. So right down, so we have, we, we certainly we recently moved to the Northern Hemisphere whereby our professional sides are play, uh, our professional sides are playing in the United Rugby Championship against teams from from Ireland, Scotland, Wales and uh, and Italy. And we also play in the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. So they are like, the Champions Cup is like the UEFA Champions League of Rugby whereby you have uh, all the best European teams playing there and we are part of that sort of system. So we, we our, our teams are exposed now to a higher level of, um, of, of competition. And again, we also have players playing internationally in Japan, um, others in Europe, and just it's, it's quite spread. So now what that does, so when it comes to the Springboks now, you know, the pool of depth that we have of our players, whereby we select, you know, we have a very, very good um, depth within this the spring box and the setup. So that the, so that's the South African um, cycle right now or rugby system is very much solid. 
you know, across all board. Um, we have a good, strong school system. The varsity rugby is strong and the professional ranks. You know, we have a lot of players we can select from and just that makes the Springboks to be stronger, you know? Yeah. I think two players I remember, Fabdikan. Fabdikan is in the, I think, who play for the scrum position, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He uh, and obviously, uh, the captain, right? So, yeah. uh, we yeah. had a conversation about how we can actually... So, yeah. okay, before we jump to rugby main position, we just want to know how cricket domestic structure works. Because cricket is also something... I mean, the cricket uh, domestic, domestic structure is similar to how um, the rugby one is. Very also well organized. And there's more emphasis, again, you know, uh, from cricket South Africa to reach... Um, the remote areas, you know, those who, uh, the townships, the rural areas, those who may not have the opportunity again to go to those um, affluent um, schools, you know, to get, um, you know, playing or cricket opportunities. So that's where now you have a lot of hubs and these hubs are able to, you know, select players and bring up players, you know. And you should understand cricket is, um, it's, it's similar to football, it, in, in a sense that it, it, it can be easily accessible, right? You can play anywhere. You can make up wickets by taking a crate, just have a bed, a tennis ball. You know what I'm Backyard saying? Cricket. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're just playing in the street, right? So, so now a lot of kids in South Africa would play like that, but they never get the opportunities to go to the good school whereby you give them the chance to, 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 to sort of go on to... Uh, be professionals, right? Or play at least uh, within the first division, right? So Cricket SA has sort of tried, has done well for me in my in my in my opinion to sort of bridge that gap. Um, a lot of kids, you know, I'm just thinking about the Eastern Cape, um, whereby you've produced um, the likes of Makai and Tinis are coming from there, you know, Nook and Rams, if you know them, and a lot of um, you know, cricket is played there. You know, cricket is big, and players, you know, they um. They're able to get opportunities, you know, uh, for instance, within the border region, uh, players are able to get opportunities to go and play for the University of Forte because CSA is pumping money into that system there to give players opportunity to play. Um, so the cricket system is very good, uh, very much exciting. Obviously, right now with the SA20, um, it's also helping to benefit cricket South Africa financially. Um Hence, you see now we've sent um, a sort of um, a C team, you know, to, to, to New Zealand to play the test, you know, series, you know, because uh, the, the SA20, you know, that money that Cricket South Africa gets from the tournament, you know, they are able to now to sort of put it in through um, the developmental structures and all those kind of things. I have a, I have a, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just interrupting you yeah. right now because I have one question from you regarding the SA20 and the test series, which is going on the equal side. Mm -hmm. A lot of criticism happened when a South African Cricket Association selected the, uh, as you call, B team. I, I don't think there's an, any B or C team. The player is player. They got selected yeah. for the international team. They're the players, right? Yeah. But still, SA20, what, what's the concept of T20 leagues around the world? The concept is you have to bring the young talents and then nurture mm -hmm. them so that they can be the best. I can understand yeah. from the financial perspective, you want... Uh, like you mentioned about Makai and Entity, my father was really, really huge fan of Makai and Entity, John T. Rhodes, everyone, yeah. right? So, mm. okay, so that was a past, but now anyone in the country wants to see a young talent, anyone in mm. any sport, right? Mm. And for example, if I if I have to watch, for example, if World Cup is coming, T20, T20 World yeah. Cup, and before that, there's a, a South African T20 League is going on. I really mm. want to know that who is the player who is going to be the X Factor after watching the Tournament, yes, tournament, yeah. uh, yes. T20 league is all about the mixture of players. From the Josh Butler will play, Temba Buma will play, everyone will play, right? Mm. But still, uh, I want to see a lot of young talents. As you mentioned, okay. that yeah. a young talent is actually featuring in the international team. Before mm. I mean, uh, a lot of I think six debutants are there. If I'm not wrong, yeah, six seven debutants were there. Test matches, six debutants. Do, don't you think it, it's sometimes it's becomes too harsh for the young players? It's better to play in the league games rather than going to the international team. Yeah. There's something going wrong with the South African cricket structure at international level because in India also, we have a lot of discussion why we choke in the finals. South mm. Africa have a small issues when it comes to beating Ireland. This time mm. also and the last time also. Netherlands. Mm. 
Netherlands two times happened. What do you think? Mm. Why they are choking at the international level? And secondly, why young players? Uh, what do you think about young players featuring into the New Zealand uh, for the test matches? They lost the first test. They lost in this three yeah. four days, right? How do you think yeah. it's it's going to be future for test cricket? Uh, for the young players and how young players can sustain. I mean, Test cricket. I, I, I feel as if, um, if you look at the series that, that India were here in in in, in December, uh, the appetite for Test cricket is still there. You know, uh, obviously forgetting how the the wicket um, in 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 Newlands was in Cape Town, but then what you saw, I think I was at in Centurion. I think um, the appetite for good Test cricket is still there within the country. And 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 it's it. I think since it's the game's purest uh, form, it will always um, last. You know, no matter what happens, no matter how big or, or you know uh, financially lucrative the 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 T20 format is, you know, Test cricket will always um, you know be there. You know, I mean, Test cricket is still a priority for South Africa. It's unfortunate that some of these guys who were there. I mean, the guys who were sent to to New Zealand. Um, on paper, it's a, it's a decent team. You get what I'm saying? It's a decent team on paper. Those are guys who've performed in the domestic scenes. You know what I'm saying? In the four-day tournaments and stuff like that, they've performed in SA. It's just that rather unfortunate that they are now, you would want to sort of, that sort of that talent that they have, you want to ease them in the team, you know, uh, whereby they get to be introduced gradually within the test team. Unfortunately, right now, CSA and um, the SA20, you know, there was a clash of schedules. And obviously, again, you know, this is a, the SA20 is the, the flagship um, tournament for South African cricket right now. And we need to have some of our, you know, um, players, the our best players playing in the competition for it to grow. It's, you know, we need, it's, I mean, the SA20 is, is in its second season. So we are aspiring for it to sort of be a mainstay within the South African sporting calendar, you know, just beyond the cricket, but the South African sporting calendar because of what the competition does in terms of the revenue it brings, the employment it gives um, people yeah, of South Africa. Yeah. So um, obviously, I think uh, the, 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 the protest coach, um, Coach Shooks, uh, is not happy with what uh, the arrangement and all those kind of things. But I think we are understanding that it's a sacrifice we can make now. And then obviously now going into the future, you know, uh, we do not want to be that country that seems as if we do not take um, test cricket um, seriously because we will then now, you know, end up not even getting more of the pie that is already shared between India and England and Australia. You know, we believe we are, we belong within that bracket of of teams that take test cricket seriously because there was an era whereby we were very much dominant under the the captaincy of um, Graham Smith. So um, then just uh, moving on, um, you were quite asking about the protests, um, performances when it comes to the the international... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you use the, the word choke. Um, it's yeah. one that uh, we... I think uh, not only exactly... Look, uh, if you see now, a uh, whole section, India also. India as a country is mm. obviously prominent when it comes to cricket. But still, mm. uh, always the pride, but never is the bride. This is the situation all where it is, right? Yeah. Why? I mean... Uh, let's, yeah, let's talk about yeah. these two teams only. Because uh, I remember when... World Cup started. Yeah, dude. Everyone thought that uh, this time South Africa is something going to uh, do because so, every single game still uh, till that India's game happened, everything mm. uh, went into favor of South Africa under Stemba's captaincy. Suddenly, mm. there's a huge uh, gap game where they lost to Netherlands and then India, yeah. and everything mm. started to change. And but still, they performed really well in the semi-finals. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, South Africa went into that World Cup without any pressure of winning it. There was no sort of expectation to from the mother body CSA and the director of cricket in Okungwe. He quite emphasized um, leading up to the World Cup that, you know, this World Cup is sort of a free hit for us. You know, the one we are targeting will be in 2020, was it 2027, I think. They said 2027 is like, that's the one we are targeting. And you saw how the guys played uh, with no pressure. 
Um, uh, obviously, the game against them, the, uh, the Netherlands was quite a blip. Um, you saw how, the, you know, there was quite resilience, you know, thinking about the chase against Pakistan, um, how we were able to, you know, how we betted, you know, we betted magnificently. Um, Quentin de Kock was wonderful. Um, Hendrik Klassen was wonderful. Um, everything else, you know, even Temba, the captains, was going well up until that time came against India. Um, obviously, it was quite disappointing. Um, but then at that moment in time, we didn't go with any pressure right um obviously i think the choking tank now of uh, falling short in these major tournaments is sort of um obviously one the pressure within those moments right um so hence now there's been a sort of uh, mental coaches and stuff like that within the team structures you know to help the players to withstand the pressure you know whether it's the pressure of playing in the semi-final or in the final or the pressure that comes you know, with you having to perform, you know, um, after two games, let's say you're not hitting the runs, suddenly you're going to crack up, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to feel like yourself as a player or it's pressure coming from home, you know, from the press, um, these days, the social media, you know, um, and you can't, unfortunately, as a, as, play, as a player, you can't say you, you're shutting down um, all the noise, you know, you're not listening to all the noise from outside, you're bound to feel it, you know, even if you're not reading anything, the atmosphere, you know, when it's a tournament season, you are going to feel it. So South Africa, obviously, it's been just little margins that, that, that come with the game, you know, as little margins that come with the game that have seen us sort of fall short within um, playing in a final or even winning it. Um, Obviously, going forward now, you know, it does look as if things are, are in order. There's good progress. We have good young players coming through. Uh, we also still have good, um, we have players who've matured within their game. And with cricket, with sports in general now, you know, guys who are 32 um, are not old anymore. You know, these are guys who are in their prime. And because of how they eat and look after their bodies and stuff like that, they have a good four to six years, you know, um, on them. You know, I'm thinking about a guy like Andrew Klassen, for instance, you know, someone who's within the, that age, but you're looking at how he's playing now. And if he continues to look after himself, you know, he can go on for a very long time. So you look at five PCs, uh, you know, he can still play in at international cricket level. You know, just because of how he looks after himself. So, the future is exciting for for South African cricket. We have good players who performed again. Looking at um, the SA20, Matthew Britske has done well. Um, um, Ryan Rickleton has done well. Um, you know, you see bowlers like Nandre Berger. Guys are doing well and are coming up. And you know, there's a good system that's been uh, built around them. It's all about how now we go about introducing them gradually to the team. You don't want to take an example uh, at Devout at, at, at Bravis, you know, and throw him in the deep end. You know, you have to gradually introduce these players to international cricket because the standard is higher, you know, and then you have to teach them how to play different conditions when they go to India, when they go to to England, to Australia, you know, uh, the, the, the Caribbeans, how they go about playing within these um these conditions and that's helped us a lot you know especially we saw how our guys were able to deal with the conditions in india that's because of the the ipl you know so a lot of progress right now um, under the director under you know the, the director of cricket i think has done a very good job and the guys has brought in you know um rob walter for the white ball has you know the, we are playing a good aggressive style of play on the front foot so i think uh, we, are, we are on the right track right now and the we played last year, the Champions World Cup, the, the World Cup. I mean, um, sort of gave us a platform to build on, you know. So um, going into the T Twenty World Cup, and it's quite, uh, it's quite exciting, yeah. Absolutely, you know. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, you mentioned about the uh, how wo structure works anywhere yeah. in India, also in South Africa, also why they are choking or why they are not performing well in the knockouts is yeah. uh, it's a beautiful saying that uh, if in any team game, in any team sport. First, you are a player, then you are mm. a team player. This is what happens sometimes, like a lot of times, if you're carrying a baggage, I remember the, uh, okay, I was, I mean, I was born in 2001, okay? Mm. And before that, whatever the story I have, uh, just I remember, like in 1991, 1992 World Cup, which happened, and 
very unfortunately how south africa got one ball 21 run happened if you remember that there is story yeah. which you know south africa is playing this was playing decently well but mm. suddenly what happened just because of that duckworth lewis method in the mm. because of the rain 21 runs one ball happened right yeah. so with india as well from 2000 I mean, I mean that's part of the game, you know. And again, as I say, it's it's fine margins, uh, whereby things like that can happen. And um, listen, man, sports is sports. Sports is amazing, you know. Um, people sure. are dealing with these guys are dealing with expectations. I mean, looking at the final last year, everyone thought India was gonna win it, but then because Australia have always been there and they've done it, you know, that pedigree of winning finals sort of came alive you know they came alive you know in the later stages you know of um, the knockout stages when it matters the most you know but that goes down to the the the, the, the heritage you know to use a, a something a, a word Jose Mourinho used in terms of football heritage but then that, that's cricket heritage you know Australia know how to win these big games and again perhaps also in India you know um, looking at the last final you know expectations you know expectations um you look at how australia was able to silence that sea of blue you know um so it's it's those kind of things now suddenly if if australia gaining momentum and then suddenly the crowd is quiet the players get affected by that that's just the nitty-gritties of the game um and so listen choking is there we will use the word choking um but Sometimes when it's not your day, it's not your day. Um, and we're always, the better team will always win at the end of the day. And obviously, it's all about how you go about building from there on, you know. Um, listen, it does seem as if India right now is going through another transition. Um, they need to, they're waiting about another cycle. Um, the the under-19s are doing well here in South Africa. So it's all about how do you then move on from that disappointment and how you it's either you can go on an upward trajectory after a disappointment or it can go down from there on. Yeah. 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 No, as a neutral sports fan, I just want to just want to see how sports grows. That's it. Any sports, yeah. right? Because yeah. yeah. I, I really, you know, whoever wins doesn't matter. But everything, you know, small bits and pieces for me, that is important in any yeah. sports, right? That yeah. is enough. And you know what? Uh, let's let's have a few questions more. I just want to discuss cool. from you. Uh, yeah. Let's let's go back to rugby first. So the mm. captain, I think Siam Kolsi is a captain right now. Siam Kolsi. Siam Kolsi. Siam Kolsi. Siam Kolsi is a captain, and there are a lot of things. When I was reading, you know, before that interview, that how mm. a lot of people are looking at it, his future and every sort of thing. So he's 31, 32 mm. right now. Okay. Yeah. And obviously, he is. This is right now. It's the later stages of his career. How yeah. do you see his future going? He is a legacy right now, and obviously yeah. he won the World Cup for the team. Who is going to be uh, the next X Factor player for the South African rugby team, the Springboks? Mm-hmm. Or and obviously, uh, how you see his future going in the upcoming World Cup or in the elections? I mean, I mean, CS future is quite. Um, listen, he has no intention of um, dropping. Um, of dropping the Springboks uh, on international rugby. Um, you must understand that this is someone who's grown to be um, a sporting icon, you know, probably one of the biggest uh, stars South Africa has produced um, in, in, in a, since um, readmission, um, since uh, post-1994. Um, um, listen, he's one of the best uh, captains. You know, um, on the field, he performs, you know, he does well. Um, you know, the country has confidence in him. Um, and listen, I, I do feel as if he's going to push towards um, the, the the 2027 World Cup. Um, listen, again, he's 32. He can look after his body by the time he's 36 or so. Um, he will be able to still be in a good playing condition. You know, that's the nature of um, the athletes these days. You know, uh, if he doesn't get any major injuries, I don't see why he shouldn't um, be there. There's been some who said, listen, he can now, you know, maybe he should have left um, the captaincy and just became a team player um, whilst he was still at the top, right? He's won back-to-back uh, World Cups as the captain. 
but I feel as if this decision to stay on, you know, is quite uh, vital. You know, again, it's someone who has steered South African rugby to 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 a good place. You know, um, he he's in tune with the people of South Africa. He's in tune. Let me correct yourself. The... Not at a good place. At the top place, actually. Yeah. 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 So not at the good so, place, top place. Yeah. yeah. So he's done. Um, he's a. Uh, Listen, he's a, he's, a, he's a great leader. You know, he's a great leader. And I think he's playing well in France. He's playing in France uh, for Racing 14. Uh, sure. For Racing 2, I mean. Uh, and he's, done, he's doing well. has uh, done well this season so far. So, listen, if he continues to play well, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't go um, to, to, to captain the team um, in uh, 2019. And then uh, what was the second question, the second part of the question again? Um, who is going to be the X-Factor player in the upcoming World Cup for the rugby? And obviously, yeah. um, if you see any person who can actually take that baton from, uh, you know, uh, for Garcia. I mean, listen, in terms of leadership right now, um, the guys who are part of the leadership group within the Springboks, they are all uh, within the same uh, age group as Sia. Uh, so, obviously, uh, the star will have to be born um, and guys who are within the Springbok setup uh, are likely to take over from Sia. And obviously, I, I think we know right now that the captaincy, you know, is it's, it's a, the bar is high and it has to be someone who will have to now live up fulfilling those big shoes that Sia will leave eventually when he steps down as captain. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that we have a good young crop of players who are... Uh, are good leaders within their own right on the field. You know, um, just looking at the Springboks, you know, we can looking at a guy like uh, Oxin Che. Um, he's someone who leads, you know, from the front foot, you know, on the field. Um, the likes of Jasper Visa for, for me, you know, someone who plays. You know, these guys are guys who let, you know, the, the their game to all the talking. And it's all about now, listen, how they go about developing their human skills, uh, you know, how they're able to galvanize the group and also be able to delegate responsibilities within the change room, you know, and also, again, lead for the public, you know. I think the Springboard captains right now has grown so much that, Generally, the Springboard captaincy is more than rugby. You know, you're thinking about Francois Pinard um, sure. in 1985. You know, he was there with Nelson Mandela in terms of, you know, just unifying the country. You know, he believed in that vision that Mandela had. So that was when the first time, you know, I think he probably saw that this was bigger than rugby. And that's where by right now, you know, the, the Springboard captaincy, you know, is bigger than than rugby, you know, in South Africa. Um, listen, we have a good young crop of players coming up right now. Even in the World Cup, we saw the likes of Kenan Moody's were there. Um, you know, we have good um, players um, that will, you know, again, still be forming part of the Springboks group um, leading up to 2027. And there are also other guys, you know, who will get an opportunity to know, who have been knocking on the door um, and they will... Um, you know, get their chance you know, to play international rugby. So we're still looking at our Oxen chair. He was uh, 28 right now. Within the next World Cup, you know, he's going to be, uh, I think it was 27, 27, 28 now. So in the next World Cup, he will be in his 30s, early 30s, and he's going to be quite good, you know, because props mature uh, with their 30s. You're looking at your Kenan Moody's. Um, he was the youngest member of the squad. Um, it's going to happen, still be there. The likes of Damon Villanza. Um, the full back, um, looking at the scrum-ups, you know, we have, and they're still also of age. And again, you know, we still have good crop of players who are still, who are performing well within the domestic structures that will get a chance to go to, to Australia come 2027, you know? No, it's so beautiful. Huh? Uh, uh, the, the best part about sport, the best part about sport is transition. Transition yeah. is the key, and the transition is key to success in sports, right? Yeah, I mean, if you can't uh, transition as a as a coach, you know, there's a reason why um, a guy like say Alex Ferguson remained at the top for so yeah, long absolutely. because he was able to move through the eras, um, change the team, uh, bring in new players who form core of the team. So that's where the Springboks are right now. I mean, we've won back-to-back World Cups. 
and we have to refresh the squad, you know, um, because if we miss this transition right now, leading up to Australia, and we do not bring in new players who will carry the baton post the 2027 World Cup, then we'll find our rugby again struggling, you know. So uh, what we've done right now, again, you know, winning back-to-back World Cups is, is, is very special. So we have to, again, you know, make sure that we bring in new, new players so that when these guys who others have started uh, played their first World Cup in 2015, you know, so... Um, we need to get in new players to replace them, and suddenly, yeah, we are we are we are gonna see um, those new players coming in come um, July when the team um, gets to to start playing test rugby again. You know, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned about Alex Ferguson and his role in the Manchester United setup. Yeah. A lot of people is going to criticize you. Remember when Alex Ferguson dropped Mike uh, David Beckham? A lot of people came mm-hmm. and actually. Uh, said boo to him that why he dropped like him. It's a fact, like coach to players, captains. It's a fact yeah. that you have to take harsh actions for transition. Yeah. Correct. I mean, I it's, yeah, it's a fact. Yeah, it's a fact. It's a fact. And um, again, it's all about looking at what's right. I think in any coach, sure. you want to if you if you if you leave a position, you want to leave it in a better place. You know, you don't yeah. want you want to leave. The next guy coming in must find good structures, good players put in place, and he will decide how they go about moving from it. You know, so making those decisions. Um, I mean, yeah, I was listening to an to to, to a podcast. Um, uh, Rio Ferdinand was interviewing the former um, chief executive at um, Man United, David Gill. You know, and he said that you know, for the greater good of the squad, you know, um, Sir Alex had to make that decision with David Beckham, uh, Roy Keane. So, um, again, you know, it's all about being a good coach. And I do believe that we have a good coach uh, within our rugby arm in Rasi Erasmus. And he does, and again, he does understand that where we are going right now is South African rugby, the players we have in our system. And I think, you know, when he leaves eventually, uh, post-2017, uh, 2027, or I don't know when, uh, he will leave us in a good place, you know, because now he's, gets, he's getting another chance to build and put in structures, you know, for the World Cup and even post beyond that, you know. One, right? Because, yeah, I yeah. think uh, nothing better than discussing about all sort of a thing which is going on over there. One thing uh, I always wanted to learn and obviously I, I saw happening uh, in the South yeah. African circuit is they know uh, when to retire. Because I remember two players, yeah. I'd say, when it comes to cricket structure, David De Villiers and Fab Duplessis, and Graham Smith yeah. as well. Let's let's Makai yeah. and Antonio have a lot of examples from a lot of players over there. What they do, you know, one thing you can do is you can retire when a lot of people actually pressurizes you, forces you, or dropped you. Mm-hmm. No, you can't yeah. play more. Or you can actually retire on high. And this is what I saw on in with David De Villiers, with Fab Duplessis, with everyone. The South Africans mm-hmm. know when to retire. This is something which actually I love watching them, you know. Quentin de Kock as well. Look how he actually did a very wonder with the World Cup session and he retired. I mean, I mean the part of retirement, I remember la, la, there was a story I did uh, with a sports psychologist. Yeah. And so you have to look at the, the part of retirement holistically, right? In terms of this is what this person has been doing uh, from the age of um, 16 or so. You know, being in a high performance level week in, week out, um, performing until your thirties and so your mid-thirties, you know. Basically that's all you that's your whole life. You get what I'm saying, from sixteen to thirty-five or so. You know, that's like your whole life. This is what you know. And obviously now for others, you know, the transition of life after sports, uh, it's not guaranteed that you will go into coaching or you will go into broadcasting and stuff like that. You know, so um, others, you know, take time, you know, uh, to let go because they still feel as if, listen, I, I can still make it, you know, I can still play. But obviously, father time catches up with everyone. Um, everyone age catches up with everyone, um, no matter how great you are. You know, you eventually, you know, once you hit those um, ages after 35, you know, you are, you are going to feel it. Um, other guys can still perform. Um, you look at a guy like Quentin de Kock, obviously, um, 
for 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 various reasons, I guess um, he just wanted to take a back seat, you know, uh, from playing international cricket. Um, the ABs, you know, for ABs, you know, there can be wide ranging debates in terms of you know was it time, but he had his reasons. So again, other guys want to sit down because you know of their personal reasons. Um, you know, looking at things of especially cricket. You know, looking at how now you can invest in playing in the T Twenty leagues. Um, others still want to play international cricket, but have been told now. Nah, listen, you have to make way. You know, a guy like a fifty places, for instance. You know, someone who has declared his he can still play for the protest, but you know, so it happens like that. Um, but generally in sports, you know, um, knowing when to call time in your career is is key. Um, yeah, listen, no matter how much you can perform at the high level. They will come a time where you have to call it, and um, that transition to life after sports does become hard for a lot of athletes. You know, not just the guys who are mainstream and um, quite popular, but you know, even the regular Joe professional sports uh, guys. You know, they they struggle a lot to deal with life after sports because now suddenly you're no longer going to the training sessions, you're no longer going to the camps and all those kind of things. You're having to adjust, you know, to, to, to life after sports is, is very tough for, for, for professional athletes, man, you know? Mental switch is difficult, right? The mental switch is difficult also, again, suddenly now you have to even consider things such as uh, the finances. You're no longer getting the money you, you were used to getting um, if you're not... If not um, put in certain structures, businesses, or, you know, farms, many guys in rugby and cricket, you know, they have farms to go back to, others in football don't have that, you know, and I, I don't know how the situation is there back in India, but it's a hugely populated nation, and I don't know how guys transition to life after sports, but in SA, you know, it does become um, a bit of a, of, of, a, of a struggle for athletes to struggle to, to, to adjust to life after football. Suddenly now, you know, some even go through depressive phases because you are no longer that guy who used to get that attention, you know, um, you know, of playing sports, um, fans revering you. You are suddenly now a normal civilian, you know. You're no longer the sports star. And that does eat a lot of um, athletes and affects their mental health within in South Africa. You know, we've had um, cases of, 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 of that nature in, in our nation. You know, uh, when it comes to India, like are you mentioning about how athletes transition after game? Yeah, it's difficult for anyone, right? Okay, I'll tell you one thing. For India, I'll I'll come into the other question as well. I have a lot of things to know. I'll ask you about mm. one major question that is about how South African domestic structure when it comes to cricket and in yeah. rugby, how mm. what how the salary structure is. I want to know for me. But before that, I just want to let know that what India do. So India, what India India cricketing structure. Because uh, I know cricket, I, I mean, I was just watching cricket from very early age. So for me, it's nothing practice game. So I know that what actually go off the field as well. Because of broadcasting rights, mm. they, and because of a lot of things, because India is such a populated country, you mentioned, a lot of people actually go to, uh, you know, and show themselves in the stadiums. So mm. there's a lot of money is there. And fortunately, when it comes to cricket, so BCCI actually is doing a lot of things from structures, from making money and International players, though, you know, they can earn money, a lot of money from the domestic leagues and a lot of things, right? But when it comes to other things for domestic players, they're, what are they doing? They're actually increasing the salaries, making the equal salary for women and men, both of them. So financially, they are stable. But mental switch is actually difficult, right? And maybe this is the reason they're pushing themselves all the time. So finance has never been an issue, but mental switch is. I was listening to someone and he mentioned very, very he mentioned that, that you know, he recognizes his fading talent. And you need to understand, you recognize, you have to recognize your fading talent. Okay. Mm. And listen until you will stretch yourself. Maybe you will play more one more year. But that one year is going to be harsh than the other 15, yeah. 16 years you played, right? I yeah. want to know from you how salary structure works in South African cricket and rugby. The domestic structure. Domestic structures. Um, I think, yeah, obviously, I think uh, there's a, the, the, the salary caps. Um, I think more for rugby. Uh, not quite in tune with the, how it works uh, with the, with the, I think uh, with, with with the SA uh, the cricket side of it. I think um, CSA 
does has paid players that are contracted to them. Um, obviously, guys are also making money outside of that, um, playing those uh, international leagues, the IPLs, and, and the whole lot. Um, and then when it comes to rugby, you know, there's a, there, there's salary their budgets, you know, there's salary caps, and that's when you work around those budgets and um, just uh, the players that you contract. And uh, obviously, you need. Um, I feel as if uh, any you don't want to spend beyond your means, you know, you have to spend within that so that you can make sure that um, the franchise or the union or the or the club, the association, is financially stable. You know, you have to spend within what's in your means. You know, so um, yeah, I man, I think they they, they they are able to pay decent, good salaries. You know, our players are they they earn well, they earn well. You know, very very well. You know, um, so and uh, quite competitive. And again, for cricket especially, you know, and they end well. And these guys are also making more money just playing in the IPLs and uh, other leagues of this world. Um, and rugby also, you know, these guys are able to play in well here at home. And then obviously when they go overseas, you know, they earn more, you know, whether it's in Europe or in, um, in Japan. They end well, so I think I'm um, salary wise, and um, the guys are the guys are quite sorted. Um, also, same here, you know, the, ma- the majority of the money comes from the broadcasting. You know, the broadcasting does pump a lot of money for sports. It's quite big, and um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite the South African sports in, in general. Even the football is is in a good place. Obviously, now it's all about just um, accelerating women's sports. Um, making sure you get those uh, the, the the sponsors in, you know. I think a collective effort has to be put into women's sports and also the Olympic sports, you know, the athletics and stuff like that. I think that's whereby maybe perhaps as a country we are failing a bit, you know, because we are not investing in these guys um, to make sure that they are they are able to get money to go to these training camps. I mean, the Olympics are coming up right now, right? And you know, we didn't do, we, we want to do well, but unfortunately these guys, you know, they don't have the resources, you know, because they're not getting money like that. So I think um, outside of the Olympic sports for me, I feel, and the women's sports, where I feel as if um, yes, that we've done a lot of progress, but more needs to be done in terms of making sure now, you know, they're able to sustain themselves financially. I think that's where we should start focusing as a country yeah so rugby what about rugby women's team how i mean the, the rugby women's team is, uh, is is coming along um there was sort of um, a period whereby it was neglected by sa rugby and that sort of meant we felt we, we felt we 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 fall we fell behind you know the other nations you know so suddenly now we are trying to catch up and they are able to the women's the rugby team. We only have one professional rugby team here in South Africa, and that's the Bulls Daisies. Um, the others is uh, all are semi-pro or amateur, um, and so there are only few professional players who play in Europe, um, who play for who play rugby professional in Europe. It's only like three players, I think. So we are we we've, we've fallen behind um, the likes of New Zealand. Um, the Englands and all the stuff, but I feel as if uh, right now, you know, uh, we we are working on getting it up to the standard whereby the ladies are able to play professional rugby, make a good living out of professional rugby, and then to be competitive on the field. You know, for them to be competitive on on the field, we have to make sure that they have um, high performance um, facilities, uh, good coaching, and they are able to focus on rugby twenty four seven. You know, um, I think uh, strong financial backup as well, correct? Yeah, so you're right. You know, the strong financial backup that's what they need. That's how you can progress and be competitive. You look at the Australian women's um, cricket team, the Indian women's cricket team. You sort of need that sort of backing from the association, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to sport journalism, I just want to go everywhere from every part of country and want to know how their sports works it's so beautiful yeah. right it's so fascinating to discuss sports from all over the country all over the world and nothing yeah. better than that so yeah thank you Atan Kushi. i just i'm really glad that you took your time came here no man uh, all good thanks for having me man i do appreciate um the call and i'm um, just i'm um, inviting me to be 
a guest on your show. I'm really excited, man, uh, what you're doing. I've been following your work um, since you uh, interacted, and it looks as if you're consistent, and um, you know, just keep on doing the work. You know, um, you don't know where it may lead you. You don't know who's watching, and, um, you know, whatever goals you have, you know, of traveling the world uh, with sports, you know, they are quite within reach, you know, um, and don't limit yourself, man, you know, push your boundaries, um, create, continue to create this wonderful content that's um, informing and enlightening to your listeners, you know, and uh, congrats, man, well done, and um, keep up all the best for, for the year, man, you know. Likewise, but it likewise, but uh, for the first time, I'm actually interviewing someone who actually did a lot of good things when it comes to sports. And you're talking about the consistency, the consistency that mm. you have from 2019, mm. the first year, mm. got the yeah. award, and then suddenly you're doing a lot of good things. So, uh, congratulations to you and all the best for your future work, man. Thank you for this. Thanks, yeah. Appreciate it, appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, it's like a long conversation we had, and obviously, I just have a lot of questions in my mind, which I will definitely do some part two. Uh, other day. So, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah